Welcome to Amped Up with Proud Resistor. This is progressive activist Ryan Knight. And I'm Chris Lavoy of the Stephanie Miller Show. And we don't have a guest today. No, we don't. It's just us. It's just me and you, it's Chris. It's a little Thanksgiving. It's a little pre-Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to do a gratitude episode of the things that we're grateful for, except we're going to leave that for the second half of the yes, podcast. exactly. We're going to talk about the spicy stuff in the beginning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, because this, the Democratic primary race is heating up. It is. It, it is. is heating up. And uh, we basically, we have four <laughs> kind of front runners. I mean, we have four viable candidates at this point. I'd say I, Biden, I, Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders. I think and they're all kind of grouped together. I think America is looking, is now looking at the Democratic Party as having, they're running four candidates. Yeah. Everyone else just kind of like making noise, you know, towards the bottom. But we now have four definite candidates that I think people are coalescing around. Right. Yeah, I think we could see maybe like a Kamala Harris rise up and, and join that group of four yeah. that we're kind of seeing people coalesce around. But mm-hmm. overall, I think is, you know, look, Iowa's in February. Yes. So we're, we're, getting, we're getting closer. Yeah. Um, and look, it's, it's, it's getting heated, uh-huh. you know? And um, I, I just want to say, as a progressive activist who, you know, I am a progressive. I fight, you know, I think that our country needs bold change right now. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, Donald Trump is is the only problem and he's a big problem. Yes. Uh, but I, I see him more as a symptom mm-hmm. uh, of a much bigger disease. Okay. Uh, and that is kind of the greed that has corrupted our political system, our economic system and our healthcare system. Okay. And um, I think until we kind of, you know, bring in real change, because here's the deal is like, I hear some candidates talk about, you know, let's heal the nation. And of course, like it sounds great. That's a nice thought. Mm-hmm. But I think that our problems are so systemic and they're so deep that we're not going to heal the nation with a Band-Aid, right? We need to get, we need a candidate and, 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 and a government that is not just working for, you know, corporations and billionaires, but hear me out, is actually working for the people. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what a lot of these wounds and divisions are about. And I think that Trump was able to, in 2016, to get white working class voters with his kind of race baiting message because these people are, are, have been kind of left behind and economically they're not doing well, mm-hmm. right? Their jobs get shipped overseas. And so I think that our problems are a little bit more connected than we want to see that they are, right? Okay. And so I think, long story short though, I think no matter what happens, the progressives and the moderates have to come together after this primary. Yes. That is like, because... The Republican Party is united as ever behind Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, uh, that, but you know, we're fighting about the the two different ways to get that done. You right. know, and right. and though that is the discussion and the debate that we're going to be having all the way through the primary season, right. which ends in what May? I no <laughs> through June through June. Okay. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> well, I felt like this this season. It felt like it started a little early. Yes, it has started early, and plus, I think we're also in California here, and they moved our primary up from, what was it, April before, and now we're on Super Tuesday, right. which is in early March, yes. and so it feels like it's it's even earlier here in California, right. but it's not that way across the country. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, look, I have been critical of Buttigieg. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of you know I'm, I endorsed Elizabeth Warren, but I want to actually give him some props. Okay. Uh, I, you know, there was an article that came out yesterday right in the morning right uh and it was written by this guy named michael harriet who is a writer for the root okay and he's a brilliant writer 
And basically, Buttigieg, there was a video that surfaced that Buttigieg was talking about uh, African Americans and how they don't have enough role models. Mm -hmm. And that is the reason that they're not doing well. Mm -hmm. And basically, the article calls him out. And it was very, I mean, it was a very provocative article. Sure. It, it, literally, the title of the article is Pete Buttigieg is a MF. Right, is a motherfucker. We can swear. We on can the swear on, the, on this podcast. Yeah, and um, we're and earning that explicit badge. And, and basically, he just lines out in the article that, like, for years, you know, this is kind of the talking point of of Republicans and even some white moderates that the reason you know that black people aren't doing well is because they don't have role models. Mm -hmm. And and what Michael Harriet just brilliantly lays out is like, no, no, no. This is because of systemic racism, and this is because the the lack of resources. Mm -hmm and the lack of funding mm -hmm. for black schools. And, 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 and so he lays out this just brilliant thing. Well, guess what? Pete Buttigieg called him yesterday. Okay. And uh, when he called... Like gave him a personal call. Literally called him on the phone. Okay. And, and, you know, the first thing Buttigieg said was, I've never been called a lying motherfucker before. <laughs> and uh, Michael Harriet wrote about their phone call, their, okay. their conversation. Mm -hmm. And basically, to sum it up, basically what Michael said was, is that... Buttigieg listened yeah. and he said all all we can all he can do and all a, a black person living in America can expect is that that a white person will listen to them. Yeah. And so I have to give Buttigieg props for listening mm -hmm. for for, you know, this article kind of exposed one of his weak spots. Yeah. And Buttigieg, I think everybody agrees that his weak spot is the African-American community. Right. And look, this doesn't take away his record in South Bend. And mm -hmm. he has some questions to answer sure. for for his record on race in South Bend mm -hmm. that was, you know, less than great. Right. Um, but I will say that, you know, I have been critical of him. I still don't think he is the one uh, to, to, to unite our party. Mm -hmm. And I still think we need big, bold ideas mm -hmm. uh, to solve the crises before us. But I will give him props for uh, addressing this mm -hmm. and for calling uh, Michael and for listening. And look, and, and, and here's the deal. We all need to listen. Yes, especially after the three years that we've had with this current president who doesn't listen to a goddamn person right. unless it's himself. Right. Yes, we need people who listen. And any one of our Democratic nominees, they listen um, way more than the current president does. Absolutely. And when I say listen, like progressives need to listen to moderates. Yes. And moderates mm -hmm. need to listen to progressives. Yes. I need to listen to you, my moderate friend. <laughs> and I need to and listen to you, of my podcast. Yes, <laughs> and because that's we where had a little. We we're doing this right after um, Wednesday's Stephanie Miller show, and you and I had a little bit of a a disagreement. On a disagreement, this. yeah, which is okay. It is okay. It's okay for Democrats because to I represent a faction of the Democratic Party, and you represent a faction of the Democratic right. Party. And and here's the deal: we can disagree around these ideas, and we can disagree on, on what the best path for our party is mm -hmm. in the primary what we can't do is once the primary is over and we have a nominee we can't continue these disagreements in the general election no. we all have to coalesce behind our candidate mm -hmm. whether they are a moderate or a progressive right whether it's warren or whether it's buddha judge right and i know you know look as critical or as biden I, or biden or Sanders. Bernie. Yeah. Or Kamala. Right. If she has a rise. And look, as critical as I've been of Buttigieg, it's not all of my, everything I've said about him has been rooted in facts about his record mm -hmm. 
and about his policies. I don't think that moderate solutions are going to meet the moment we are in. Okay. And when I say the moment we are in, and the and you know the crisis of of healthcare and mm-hmm. the co- and the extreme high r- rising cost of healthcare, uh, the gun violence epidemic, mm-hmm. the climate change epidemic, you mm-hmm. know, crisis, um, you know, the the greed in our political system, how of lobbying and how you know so many p- politicians on both sides. Yes, the Republicans do it worse, but listen, lobbyists get into the ears of Democrats too and Absolutely. Republicans. Yeah, and most major corporations in America pay conservative lobbyists and pay liberal lobbyists because right. it's in their best interest to play both sides. Right. And where I where I'm at is like, look, the other day I turned on CNN and there are very few times when I am listening to CNN where I actually hear someone on those panels that represents the average American person mm-hmm. who's working 40, 50 hours a week, struggling to pay their bills, mm-hmm. struggling to afford their prescriptions, mm-hmm. struggling to afford their rising healthcare premiums. I don't hear that everyday person. And I think if we're going to build a grassroots movement big enough to beat Donald Trump, mm-hmm. that we need to be listening to the average American who's out there and who's struggling. Sometimes we forget, right? When mm-hmm. we get in our little bubbles. Right. like. Media pundits do pretty well. You yeah, know? they do. They, they do. And so, and so sometimes you, they can get so disconnected from the pain people are going through. Sure. And I think what Trump did in 2016, I disagree with everything about Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. But I will say that he's been able to build a movement around using this kind of race-baiting, fear-driven, mm-hmm. hateful-driven mm-hmm. message that has worked to coalesce a large swath of, of white working class people in in this movement. People and, that have that felt like they've been forgotten right. or not talked to at right. all. Trump talked to them. Right. And for but, the and they it was that was the first time they've been talked to in a really long right. time. But, Democratic Party, unfortunately, has forgotten about those people. Well, and, and that's where Trump saw his in little in, right? Mm-hmm. Now when you say he's talking to them, yeah, he talked to them in twenty sixteen. Right. But ever since he got into office, he's been lying he's to been them. He's been lying to them, absolutely. And he hasn't helped working class people. Right. Right. His tax cut bill was the largest tax cut in history for corporations mm-hmm. and billionaires. Yep. It didn't help the average American. Right. And so that's our in, right? Like we can not only can we if we can energize voters of color, which are our base, mm-hmm. right? And we can energize younger voters, uh-huh. right? Thirty seven percent of the 2020 electorate is going to be millennial and generation Z voters. Mm -hmm. So while there's all this change going on in our country, we're also in the middle of what's called a generational shift. So this kind of old talking point Democrats use, like, oh, only older people vote, Mm -hmm. that's not gonna apply in 2020. And so, yes, we gotta energize voters of color. We gotta energize younger voters. But then we also have to talk to those white working class voters in the middle of our country that were lied to by Donald Mm -hmm. Trump. Yeah. And so when I look at candidates, I'm looking like which Democrat has an economic message for working people. And for me, the two, the, the two, the two ones in the race who have the best message for working people are Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. They have a little bit of that economic populist message in their, you know, in their plans, mm-hmm. right? That, you know, Medicare for all is going to put way more money in the American people's pockets because their healthcare costs will come down, mm-hmm. you know? The two cent wealth tax will write off 95% of student debt, mm-hmm. right? And it will provide universal childcare. So a single mom who's working full time, 
will now not have to spend $10,000 a year on daycare right. because she'll have universal childcare. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to provide tuition-free college, right? So people, you know, in the, say people who felt like they've been left behind mm-hmm. and their job was shipped overseas, you know, and they can no longer have their blue-collar manufacturing job, well, under an Elizabeth Warren presidency or a Sanders presidency, they could go back to school mm-hmm. tuition-free to mm-hmm. get new skills right. to go back into the job market. So while some people look at these plans and they look at them as radical, what I look at is radical is if we don't make bold change, our country is just going to continue to get more fractured and more divided because the solution for me isn't just platitudes, right? Like, oh yeah, let's just all come together. Like we've got deep wounds. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, but there's also a fear that things are going to change too quickly, you know, especially among older voters. And so I think that's where both Biden and Buttigieg appeals to the more, the more moderate and the older voter. Yeah. So, you know, which is actually funny. You say that because literally that's exactly what the polls say. Yeah. Literally voters over 50 Uh favor Biden and Buttigieg. Yeah. And voters under 50 favor Warren and Sanders exactly. by a large margin, yeah. you know? And like, I was trying to say someone, an, an older person said to me the other day, like, no, Buttigieg is going to get all the young voters. I'm like, have no. you looked at the polls? No. Buttigieg polls at like 2% yeah, with young voters. No. Just because he's young it doesn't, doesn't mean, mean he's going to appeal to young voters, right? right? His ideas, his politics, they're not, I don't want to call them old school, but they're more the kind of moderate politics that we've seen in the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. And so I just think that There's also this thing that I hear a lot of progressives say, and it resonates with me is, you know, like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Mm -hmm. You know, Hillary Clinton was pretty moderate. You Mm -hmm. know, she was socially progressive. Right. But economically, she was pretty moderate. Right. 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 And so when you if you we run another candidate that's very politically similar to Hillary, like Biden or Mm -hmm. Buttigieg. Right. The progressive sphere is like, look, we did this with John Kerry. Yeah. Right. We did but, this. We did this with Al Gore. Right. And we did this with Hillary. And now you still aren't listening to kind of the progressives that want these big, bold ideas that the other thing is, is not it's not that we're forcing them down people's throat. It's like Bernie and Warren are willing to fight for big ideas because they know that these big ideas will motivate people and inspire them to get out and vote. And, and the idea, it's not like, oh, it's going to happen on day one. It's that they're willing to fight for these plans, mm-hmm. whereas some of the more moderate candidates aren't willing to do that. Okay. Yeah. Um, we shall see. <laughs> right. More. Yeah. But I. But also uh, along the same lines uh, as Hillary. Um, I think she was also burned by trying to get Hillary Care off the ground. You know, she was right. really, really progressive there. Then, then she was kind of burned by how that went, and so maybe that. I, I don't know. Maybe that convinced her to pull back a little bit from the from being socially progressive. Right. I don't know. Well, I also think so she, that, she also she has a history there. Yeah. Well, yeah. I also think that. Trump and the Republican Party use a, their weapon is fear, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. what they use. They use fear and, and race baiting to suppress votes sure. and to energize their base, right? Right. And so, I, you know, what is our weapon? Democrats' weapon is not fear. No. And if you think that we're going to beat fear, if we're going to use fear, Trump's greatest strength, and go at him with that, and that's going to beat Trump, it's not. Our, our biggest weapon is hope. Democrats are too cynical to fall for fear. Right. <laughs> well, no, and that's why, so like when people are saying like, oh, we, everyone has to vote for Biden or we'll lose, like, 
okay, but like that's not a message that's going to get people to the polls. Right. You can't scare people to vote. Yeah. So let's get Biden out there and have more of a hopeful vision. Let's get Buttigieg out there and have him share a hopeful vision. Mm-hmm. Because when I hear Warren and Sanders speak, some people, some people think it's radical. What I hear is hope. And I hear is change, and I hear is oh, we can fight the climate mm-hmm. disaster. There is a there is a solution. Oh, we can you know bring down these medical costs that people can't afford. Oh, we can get people into school so they can get new skills to face you know the twenty first century economy. You know it's it's that's what I hear, and so there is a disconnect in our party a little bit. But like I said earlier, we're gonna we're gonna get behind the candidate. But, but uh, whatever Biden's doing is working. You know he's still way of double digits ahead in the polls. Right. Um, so well, I, he's like seven points up. Okay. It's, it's come down. And the Quinnip- Quinnipiac? Well, the, the like, latest poll of polls, mm-hmm. which is like it averages the, all of them. Right. So is I think Biden is at 26% and Warren is at 18% okay. and Sanders is at 17%. Okay. And Buttigieg is down. He's risen, but he's still right. at like 10% right. nationally. Right. So poll-wise, whatever Biden is, is doing is working. He's not getting. He's not pulling in the money that he needs to pull in. Right. But um, yeah, as, I, I as, think it's a lot of high name ID. People are... Sure. Not really tuning in as much. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I I just, look, we've got to get our coalition. It's similar to the Obama coalition. It's voters of color. It's young voters. And it's kind of, it's working people. Mm-hmm. We've got to win those working people yeah. back in yeah. the middle of the country. Yes. And so I, I just would like to see him speak more to kind of their economic hardship. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um. <laughs> Let's talk about gratitude. Okay. Yeah, it is Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving weekend. So, yeah. What are you, what are you grateful for? What, <laughs> I am grateful that I am back uh, doing a job that I love um, after a three-year break in, in, in Palm Springs. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful for my, for my coworkers because, uh, yeah, I, I, have, I have a good family here. here. You're grateful for Stephanie Miller. I am grateful for Stephanie Miller. Yeah, that she brought me back. <laughs> yeah, and uh, grateful for my two cats. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm grateful for my partner, uh-huh. Philip, who is amazing. Yes, he, he is. is uh, Got to meet him at, at the impeachment party. Yes. Yes. Such a, just a kind person. Yes, he is. He is. And uh, I'm grateful for our four dogs. Yeah. Rugby, Cody, Tui, and Trilly. Aw. We're like the Brady Bunch. We're, <laughs> we're a blended family. Right. He had two, and uh-huh. I had two. Okay. And people are like, why do you have four dogs? I'm like, well, yeah, yes. what are you going to do? You know, you can't You're get rid of get rid of, yeah. Uh, no, and uh, I'm grateful my sister is pregnant. And Congratulations. She, she is going to uh, I'm gonna be an uncle, and she's going to have her baby in February. Yeah. And it's a girl. Oh. And I'm really excited about that. <laughs> yeah. Is it your first time you've been, you're an uncle? Uh, no. Okay. Second time. Okay. Second time. Uh, and I, I'm grateful. Look, I'm grateful for... There's, there's three things that have stopped Donald Trump mm-hmm. from just completely taking over our country. Right. It's our judiciary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you saw yesterday that judge yes. who wrote, in her opinion, the scathing, scathing thing opinion. against Trump. And yeah. she said, the, the thing that just stuck out to me was she said, presidents are not, not kings. kings. Yeah. And I mean, like that, it just put into perspective like everything we've been fighting for the last three years. That mm-hmm. like, our biggest fear is that he's literally going to destroy our democracy yeah. and we're going to become an autocracy. And when you have a judge, a federal judge has to spell it out like that yeah. in very clear English that presidents are not kings. It just what's holding the line in America right now between democracy and autocracy 
is our judiciary, mm-hmm. the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for the Democratic yes. Party. Yes. And I'm grateful for the resistance. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for the Stephanie Miller show, for what you guys are doing. I'm grateful for the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm grateful for Move On. Yeah. Uh, I'm grateful for Stand Up America. Mm-hmm. We had the the leader, the founder of Stand Up on our That's right. one of our podcasts a month ago, yep. who's done a lot of the um, led a lot of the impeachment marches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm grateful for uh, by the people. They're another group that has been organizing uh, impeachment marches and uh, you know stuff like that. So those three things have kind of kept our democracy intact, mm-hmm. and I think it's important to remember that. You know, yeah. when we have we have such a a dangerous, lawless president. We do that we. As long as our judiciary and the Democrats and the resistance activists hold, you know, we'll be okay. I also, you know, shout out to the free press. You know, I have been very critical at times of the media. Mm -hmm. I don't always think that they've been that helpful. Right. You know, I think they're a little better now. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think the media created a lot of this mess in 2015 and 2016. Right. Giving him all that free advertisement going live to every Trump rally. I don't think I saw them go live to one Hillary rally. He knew how to work the media, though. He worked he them worked the way as much as, as they worked him. Right. And for the first two years of his presidency, all we heard was both sides. Yeah. Remember the whole both yeah. sides? Both sides do it. Both sides. Yeah. Both sides. No, no, no. This is not a both sides moment in right. history. Right. Right. One side is defending the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Right. And the other side is ripping the Constitution to, to sh- and shredding yeah. it. Right. I, I mean, ju- I just hope the Supreme Court can hold because I think with Kavanaugh, it tipped over to conservative and it tipped over to a strong executive branch. Um, and so I know this this judge's ruling about presidents aren't kings. That was great. However, that's going to be appealed and it's eventually going to go to the Supreme Court. I just hope the Supreme Court holds and stands on the side of democracy and not on the side of autocracy yeah yeah so that's the only thing that worries me right is you know the supreme court and chief i need chief justice john roberts (sighs) is kind of it's so weird i never thought i would say this in a million years but he's been the you know he's the one kind of conservative who has who has stood up for our institutions Mm -hmm. and who has kind of pushed back on trump a little bit remember he attacked trump attacked him last year that's true which was such a stupid thing for Trump to do right but he's Um, he's like a justice stevens now you know it's like right you really don't know you don't know what you're gonna get which way he's gonna go exactly that's the scary part and we need ruth bader ginsburg to stay healthy yes my god you have no idea Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. I am grateful yes. for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I am, too. Very grateful. She's badass. Badass. And served our country yep. honorably mm-hmm. and uh, for years now. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you saw that documentary, Notorious RBG. It was amazing. Uh, I, gained, I mean, I respected her before, but I yeah. gained such a respect for her now. Yeah. Um, I am grateful for Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Yes. Right? Yep. Before the impeachment hearings, you know, as an activist, I was putting pressure. You were. Uh, but you were, I was the first to thank her, Yeah, you know, and I think that she has guided us now with a steady hand. She's been brilliant. And I think that she has been pragmatic, mm-hmm. which is a word that progressives don't like right. because we're idealistic <laughs> and because we need a lot of hope yeah. and change yeah. in our country. Yep. Um, but there is a time for pragmatism and she has, she, she has 
she has played Trump a few times now. Yes. Where Trump thinks he has her mm-hmm. and he can out scream her and out yell her and, you know, and out fear her and mm-hmm. all his little moves he does, right? Right. And repeat the same two talking points over and over again. Uh-huh. You know, no collusion. And then it was no quid pro quo. And, yeah. You know, he, he's like a loop, Trump. Yes. But the media just keeps playing his sound bites. Right. But with, with Pelosi, there's this like, and there's this innate sense of strength. Yes. Right? And she doesn't tip over. She doesn't fall. She, right. You can't bait her. I think it's also because she has been in the house for so long. She knows intimately how the house and how Congress and how government works. She knows intimately how to game the system and make it work to her advantage. And that's what she has done throughout this whole thing. And I'm really, really proud of her, and I'm glad that she is the Speaker of the House. Absolutely. Well, and I think it's one of those things where the moment she came out in support of impeachment was the moment our party was instantly united. Yep. Right? Yep. And that is important, too. And um, Adam Schiff throughout this whole thing. Grateful for him and his steady hand. So grateful for Adam Schiff. When he was pounding that gavel and shutting up Jim Mm -hmm. Jordan and shutting up Devin Nunez, who I hope have gross things in their turkeys. (laughs) (laughs) And and everybody from from Trump on down on the Republican side tried to bait him into being sensationalistic and into being, you know... Over the top. Over the top. Right. He hasn't taken the bait. He's been steady and strong and resolute throughout this whole thing. And it gave me... I like. Like Nancy Pelosi, I respected him before. I have such immense respect for him now. Me too. And I'm and I'm proud that he is my congressman. Oh, you got Adam Schiff as your I got rep. Adam Schiff. Yes, that's a, that's a good rep. Chris. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, you know, sw- switching gears. Uh-huh. Um, there was a story yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you saw it that Melania Trump showed up at an event in yep. uh, Baltimore. Yes, and she was booed. Yes, by by school and kids. By school kids. Yeah. And of course, this happens every time. The media, there are some people in the media like, I can't believe they would boo Melania. La, 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 la. Here's my deal Melania Trump has sat back in silence mm-hmm. as her husband has betrayed our country, yep. our constitution, mm-hmm. and our values. Yes. Her silence is complicity, yeah. right? She earned every single one of those boos Absolutely. yesterday. Absolutely. And we have got to get away from this, what I said earlier in the podcast, this both sides politics. Mm-hmm. No, like Democrats, sometimes our greatest weakness is that we have, because we're empathetic and we have compassion mm-hmm. and those are good things. Right. But we need to have our compassion and our empathy for the people who can't afford healthcare, mm-hmm. for the people who are out on the streets and hungry and for the homeless mm-hmm. and you know the, the person who has diabetes and can't afford their insulin. That's who we have empathy and compassion for. We need to stop having empathy and compassion for a Republican Party that continues to abuse the rule of law and basically have their, you know, their foot over the necks of our government. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we've got to like because it's like that old saying, like bringing a, a butter knife to a gunfight. Yes. Like we have to be Can't, strong. We need. We and, yeah. And Melania Trump got booed because everyone in that audience thought that she deserved to be booed. Yeah. So you know what? Because her husband insulted Baltimore just a few months ago. Right. Well, also Melania was a birther. Yes. Right. She yeah. was saying that Obama wasn't born here. Right. You and, know, and, and she uh, she and her family gamed the system in uh, in order to immigrate here. You right. know, whereas everybody else has to wait in the back of the line. She got right. She cut to the front of the line. Well, and this is also how fascism works, and yeah. and how the 
what Trump is doing works is that the moment the Republicans see that Trump is struggling with women in the polls, mm -hmm. they send out Melania or they send out Ivanka to try to soften his image. And at this point, nothing can soften Donald Trump. No. He has divided us in ways that we have never been divided right. in the modern in modern history. Right. I mean, he is he's basically using the power of the presidency to divide America by race yes. for political gain. Well, and and we have to we have to stop, you know, using sugarcoating it and right. stop like talking around the problem. Right. Um, we need to use Russian tactics on our side, but just, you know, patriotically. <laughs> well, and, and also like at the same time pointing out all his flaws and then also giving some people something because I think that, again, the reason Warren's campaign has resonated so much with me is because she talks about hope mm -hmm. and her message is about building a better America, yeah. right? Where everyone has health care and a chance to succeed. Yep. I think that we've seen opportunities shrink in America mm -hmm. for the middle class and for the working class. And I think that You've seen the statistics. The top 1% now hold as much wealth as the entire upper middle class yeah. and middle class combined. Yeah. Income inequality is at, a, is at the highest level we've ever had in the last 50 years. Mm -hmm. We've got to break our system up so the wealth starts to get into the hands of the people. Yeah. And what these kind of plutocrats and these billionaires don't really understand is that when people have more money in their pocket, that gives them more money to go buy their products yeah. at the store. Exactly. Right? And yeah. so... You know, that's how capitalism works. It has to filter through. Right now, a lot of the money is not coming down into the pockets that's of right. the middle class. That's right. And the lower middle class. Yeah. And so we might have to get creative. You know, one of the things we don't talk about much on the podcast, but Andrew Yang has had no media support. Right. He has run this crazy, innovative, kind of different looking campaign. Mm -hmm. Yep. He's polling at 7%. Yeah. Higher than some, you know, than Cory Booker mm -hmm. and Kamala Harris. Yep. He's never on the mainstream media and he's making a case for universal basic income, yeah. which they have in one of the European countries. I can't remember which one. They it tried is. it in Norway. In Norway. Um, yeah, it was, they did it. They did like a, a, a three-year test or something. There was a, um, there was a show, there was a podcast on, um, uh, on NPR called planet money. And they kind of have been following this experiment. Um, it didn't work out exactly the way they thought it would. So, so they pulled it back and they're, and they're retooling it. But, um, I, there is a definite case to be made for universal basic health care. Income. Universal, uh, universal basic, ba income. basic income. But I'm not sure I agree with the way Yang is doing it because he wants to give everybody a universal basic income in addition to keeping some government programs. Um, a universal basic income is designed to replace all government assistance programs so that right. people can spend that universal basic income on their family's needs rather than having the government dictate you need to buy this kind of right. food with right. this kind of food stamp or whatever. Right. Put the resources into the hands of the people exactly. and trust people trust to people make to the make right their, decision. Their own decisions. Right. I do think though, you got to give them credit. Six months ago, nobody was talking about universal basic income. Right. He has now entered UBI, uh -huh. is what it's called, yes. into the vernacular right. and into the discussion. It's been bubbling and under. It's been bubbling but no, under. But nobody in the mainstream has talked about and it. And I think it's Yang. also, you know, he's an entrepreneur. Yeah. He's a, you know, he's worth a, he's, he's a millionaire. Right. And so I think when you have someone who's successful in business, who's self -made, selling. Self-made, he didn't get money from his dad. And someone like that telling people that like, look, automation has replaced a lot of jobs. Yes. You know? Yeah. It's only going to get worse. Right. Is, you know, we get more technology. Right. 
And, you know, you see even in some restaurants now or parking garages, there's no longer a person. Yeah. You know, you, you have a little machine yes. that handles everything. Guess yeah. what? That machine took someone's job away. Yeah. You know, and, and all those jobs, those manufacturers. Like the supermarket, you know, the self-check stands. Right. You know. Well, and I think that one of the reasons Trump won in 2016 is because the, the, the states that have been hit the hardest in this new technological revolution that we're in mm -hmm. uh, were Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. You know, those kind of Rust Belt states. Right. Because those were the states where, you know, you, could, you didn't have to go to college. You could get a good manufacturing job, mm -hmm. right? And you could, with that job, you could raise a family and mm -hmm. you could get a house and you could support yourself. Well, guess what? Those jobs got, in the last 20 years, they got sent to China. Yeah. And then they got sent to Mexico. Yeah. And so, you know, when you have corporations that have no, corporations have no, they don't care about the American worker, mm -hmm. right? They're, they care about their shareholders, right? right? Yeah. And so the job of the government is, is to t look out for and care for the American worker, right? Mm -hmm. Because the, the corporations just won't. And so I would like to see some more creative policies from both parties where, for instance, Trump and the Republicans gave these corporations these giant tax cuts, mm -hmm. okay? Why not giving, why don't you give them tax cuts contingent upon, okay, instead of Apple, instead of making the iPhone in China mm -hmm. for 20 cents an hour, Make the iPhone in, in Detroit, Michigan. Yeah. Revitalize Detroit. Make it, you know, make the iPhone there for twelve bucks an hour, mm -hmm. and you could revitalize an entire industry in Michigan. Yeah. Then we'll give you these big tax breaks. Yeah. Because that will put people back to work in our country. Yeah. You know? Do you know what I mean? Like we need. Oh, I do. We need yeah. innovative solutions yeah. because what Trump did was he went and because these people are hurting, he used racism mm -hmm. basically to win them over. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't yeah. use, he didn't have an economic message for them. And it was all lies. And he also said, you know, that air conditioning manufacturing job you just lost, I'm going to bring it back. Right. He didn't bring it back. Well, he said in his campaign that there, we would not lose one plant, one manufacturing facility. We would not lose one. Guess what? We've lost way more than one yeah. since he's been president. Absolutely. So again, like. Even some of the specific plants that he went and right. talked to well, have closed down. And when, this is where sometimes we give too much power to Trump's gaslighting because when Trump says that the economy is booming, it's not, yeah. right? The economy is booming for corporations and billionaires mm -hmm. and people who own stocks. Right. Half of America doesn't even own stock, right. right? The economy is not booming for poor, working, and middle-class Americans. Right. And so though, that's our opportunity to, to start talking to these voters and tell them that like, it's not about getting rid of capitalism and replacing it with socialism. I don't agree with that, even as a progressive. Mm -hmm. What I agree with is making capitalism more equitable for everybody. Sure. Because right now, capitalism is working really great for big pharma and the big banks. Yep. But it's not working so great for working families. Yeah. And that, again, is literally Elizabeth Warren's message. <laughs> and it's not that like her, like I've had these ideas before she started campaigning. Mm -hmm. It's just so, you know, I think all Democrats. She matches the she ideas matches that you've had. She matches my ideas yeah. and she matches my values. Right. And I think that, that's what I'd like everyone that's listening to understand. I'm not telling you to vote for Elizabeth Warren. I'm telling you to vote for the person whose values align closest with you. Yep. So for instance, I applaud you because your values align with Buttigieg. Mm -hmm. You share that. Mm -hmm. You own that. And I respect that. Yeah. That's what I think every Democrat should do. Not vote based on fear. Mm -hmm. Not vote based on what CNN says right. or what MSNBC says right. or what a poll says. Right. Because guess what? 
The polls were wrong in 2016. Yeah. Every poll in America <laughs> had Hillary beating Trump. And guess what happened on election day? Trump's voters were a little bit more energized yeah. than Hillary's voters. Yep. And so we need a candidate who is going to speak to our hopes, not our fears. Right. That's going to energize us and motivate people to get out and vote. As mm -hmm. a progressive activist who's worked with different groups to get out the vote, in 2018, I, I, I worked with Build the Wave and we did text banking. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you something. Those people who just scream, vote blue no matter who, and think that's enough to get out the vote, it's not. No. You have to engage you have to engage voters and you have to motivate voters and you have to energize them to get them out to vote. Mm -hmm. And especially younger voters, unfortunately. And those are the voters that we have like a 20 point advantage with. Right. Like if we have a big turnout of younger voters, uh -huh. Trump's done. Right. And we probably flip the Senate. But if we don't have a big turnout of younger voters, it's going to get a lot harder. Yep. And so people always say, well, young people don't vote. So who cares? It's like, well, if there's a candidate that inspires them and motivates them, they're going to vote. Mm -hmm. Right now, that's Sanders or Warren, unfortunately. Yep. I know people don't like to hear that, but it's just the truth. Yeah. The younger generation, kids my age, were saddled with student debt. Mm -hmm. they do, we don't own homes yet. You know, there's no, not even close to being able to. Yeah. You know, huge amounts of medical bills, can barely afford healthcare. I have a friend who has to ration his insulin. Mm -hmm. So it's like there's, there's real problems in our economy. Yeah in our healthcare system, and in our political system when we have politicians in both parties that say they want to work for the people, but they're not. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it brings us to kind of where we are. Yeah. Um, last thing, I let's question for you. Okay. Do you think people should talk about politics at Thanksgiving? I don't think so. I agree. I think that's the one day where you don't need to. You're not going to convince anybody at your Thanksgiving table, so why even bring it up? You're just going to fight. Right. And look, I talk politics. It's right. what I do for a living. Right. I talk politics all the time. Same and here. He, and <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah. I think that nothing good can come of it. Talk uh, about family, family stuff. And, and at the end of the day, we all, as polarized as we are, we do, you know, we are all Americans mm -hmm. and we do have to come together. I mean, yep. I have got Republicans in my family. I let them know how much I disagreed with them <laughs> after the 2016 election. Right. And I'm proud of myself for doing that. Because I think there's a time and place to just state how you believe and how their beliefs interfere. But I think during Thanksgiving, a holiday, when everyone's together, I mm -hmm. think that you're right. Like, what good is going to come of it? There's no you're not going to change anyone's mind. Nope. nope. Not at all. If anything, you're going to push them more into their exactly. little corners. Exactly. So why even, why even bring it up? Next there, thing you know, there, there are much better things to talk about. Next thing you know, the turkey's flying all across Ugh, the room. Stuffing in your eye. <laughs> Who needs that? People throwing gravy everywhere. Yeah. Forks flying. <laughs> right. You don't need a food fight on Thanksgiving. No, you do not. Nope. Ah, so, yeah. Well, anyway, I wanted to catch everyone on Thanksgiving. Exactly. I hope everyone has an amazing Thanksgiving. I do too. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and supporting uh, our activism. Uh, and we'll catch you next week with an all-new episode of Amped Up with Proud Resistor. Hey, this is Bob Seska, host of The Bob Seska Show. If you enjoyed this episode, you're going to love my show, where every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we talk about this guy. Trump is crazy. And this guy. Trump is a f***ing idiot. And we say this a lot. Sweet, merciful crap. Because. He can't keep getting away with it. Find The Bob Seska Show at sexyliberal.com and on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, bobseska.com, and everywhere else you get your podcasts.